0: What was the message last Sunday? Beautiful. I knew it. I knew it that you retained everything. Huh? Three Ps. What's the first P? Positional sanctification. What is the second P? Progressive, meaning to say you you continue to grow in your holiness. And what is the third P? Permanent. When will permanent sanctification take place? When you and I are in heaven. Why is it important to remind all of us that sanctification is important? Because the Bible says that without holiness no one will see the Lord. But we all know that we are fallen. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So God made a way for us through Jesus Christ. Now, I know all of us in one way or another, we watch TV, we know certain TV personalities from the TV or from the movie, right? So let me give you a test. Who is this? huh who is that Jennifer Lopez no not Jennifer Lopez who's that Jennifer who is who was her husband Ah, the girls are the one answering Ben Affleck how about this guy who's that guy huh who what do you mean Michael Salvador Come on. Samuel L. Jackson. Question: What do Jennifer Gardner and Samuel L. Jackson have in common? What do they have in common? Of course, they're rich. do you watch their commercials what credit card are they promoting capital one and what is their tagline what's in your wallet right they always do that then they explain and this and then and then towards the end what's in your wallet my message this morning is what's in your passion What's in your passion? Why did I title this message this morning this way? Look at this. And you are free to agree or disagree. Let's read this. Your passion for one will consume your passion for another. If you are passionate about something, you will prepare you will do something about it because you are passionate about it. And you will give up other things so that you can devote the time, the resources to that which you are passionate about. Let me give you an example. How many of you like photography? Raise your hand. One, two. Nagkamot ka lang those of us myself included those of us who have a passion for photography you have definitely I submit to you you have more than one camera and you have a minimum of three lenses when I was the high school photographer of the La Salva Colod I have a camera strap that could hold three cameras so that I do not need to change the lens I had a wide angle 28 I had a 50 millimeter and I had a 105 they were all strapped Why? because it's my passion when I was in college I would go to Kubao I had my telephoto lens I had a 200 millimeter and I just went there and just took Pictures of people, I didn't even know. Why? Because it's your passion. If, you're, if golf is your passion, you're watching the British Open. If soccer is your passion, you probably stayed up late. The score when I left the house, France 2. Croatia 1. 45 minutes to go in the second half. So I don't know what your passion is. But if you realize it, your passion for one will necessarily consume your passion for the other. So my question this morning is, what is in your passion? Just like what is in your wallet. What is in your passion this morning? What is passion or compassion anyway? From the Greek word, One second, my age. Oiktiro. Oiktiro is a part of speech. It's a verb. Compassion is a verb. It means to have pity, to have compassion on, to respond with deep sensitivity. It means compassion is an action word. You see people homeless. The light is red. Standing. What do you do? If you're honest with yourself, you pretend you don't see them. If you're honest with yourself, you're hoping he or she doesn't come your car if you're honest you will not know how to react why because you don't want to be involved you don't want to be involved so it's like they don't exist but if you're passionate you'd probably go to skid row You'll probably prepare some food. Go over there, help them out. Maybe give them a gospel tract. Or even pray with them. So what is in your passion? Do you know that God is a compassionate God? Psalm 86. I have to show my age again. I just had eye surgery, so will you please forgive me? But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And we who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, if God is a God of compassion, shouldn't we also be people of compassion? Look at how compassionate God is in Lamentations 3 22 to 23. A lot of us even sing this song. A lot of us even know this verse. Let's all read it together. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see how much God loves us? He doesn't give us yesterday's blessings. He doesn't give us leftover blessings. He gives us new blessings, how often? Every day. Your mercies, your blessings are new every day. So should we or shouldn't we not talk about compassion? I think we should. Before we continue, let's commit the time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word and this time and this place that we can come together and worship you both in spirit and in truth. Father, may we see your heart of passion and compassion for people that we might also have the same. And do not let anyone leave this place unchanged by the power of your word and the movement of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Compassion is what? Is it static or is it an action word? An action word. Therefore, if you say you have compassion, it means you're going to do something about it. Are we on the same page? Yes. All right. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was going through all the cities and the villages, teaching, the, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest send out workers into the harvest what was Jesus Christ doing he was going from city to city and he was healing people the blind could now see the deaf could now hear the lame could now walk and in some occasions the dead came back to life. And when Jesus saw the multitude, when he saw the people, what did he feel? He felt compassion. He felt moved. Now, this word compassion, if you dig in to what it really means, it means to be moved in your gut. Have you had those kinds of feelings that you were so upset at something that it's like your stomach has been churned? Sometimes like you have butterflies in your stomach? That is the essence of the word compassion. So when Jesus Christ saw the multitude, when He saw the people, He felt compassion for them. Why? They were like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Now, what does the shepherd do? The shepherd leads the sheep. Unlike cattle and unlike other animals, they are herded. You push the cattle. You come from behind, you have horses, and you push the cattle to move forward. Ox, carabaos, you do the same thing. But with sheep, it's different. The shepherd has to be in front. And then the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. Because if there is no leader, the sheep will remain stagnant. They won't move. The role of the shepherd is to bring the sheep To a good pasture land where there is enough grass, good grass, so that the sheep can eat well. It is the role of the shepherd to bring the sheep to the pasture that has water. Not the loud water because the sheep will be afraid to drink from fast running water. The shepherd has to bring the sheep to that pasture land that after they had eaten the grass and taken some water, they have a nice place to lie down and relax. It is also the role of the shepherd to keep guard, to keep watch, to protect the sheep because there are predators. When Jesus saw the multitude, when Jesus saw the people, he felt moved within himself. He felt compassion on them. Why? They are like sheep without a shepherd. No one to lead. No one to provide. No one to protect. So what did Jesus Christ do? He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Beseech, pray, entreat the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest. So the harvest is there. It's already prepared. All that the people need to do is go into the harvest field and bring in the sheaves. The old gospel. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Why? The harvest has already been prepared. All that they need to do is go into the harvest field and gather the harvest. But what did Jesus Christ say? The harvest is plentiful. The fields are white. They are ready for harvest. But the workers are few. So pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out workers into the harvest. Many times we're like this. I need volunteer. I volunteer. I volunteer TJ. <laughs> I volunteer. I volunteer Titakora. I would like to volunteer somebody else. I don't like to do it, so I'll volunteer somebody else. Jesus felt compassion on the people. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Same idea in Matthew 14. Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. When the people heard this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a loud large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Compassion means you are willing to do something about it. In a sense, it is different from pity. You can can pity somebody. Wow, pity that person. And then you walk away. Compassion is you have pity, but you are willing to do something about it. Jesus was on a boat. When he came to the shore, he saw the multitudes. And what did he do he began to do something about it he began to heal their sick in John 11 the story about Lazarus when Jesus therefore saw her weeping referring to Martha and the Jews who came with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said where have you laid him by this time Lazarus had been already buried, dead and buried for four days. So, Jesus arrives. And we think Jesus arrived too late. Where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And I know that the next verse is your favorite memory verse. Isn't this your favorite memory verse? John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. How many of you have memorized your Bible, Pastor? What did you memorize? Jesus wept. Jesus was so moved that he wept over the death of Lazarus. Why? What was Lazarus, or who was Lazarus to him? Verse 36. So the Jews were saying, "See how he loved him see how he loved him Jesus felt compassion Jesus wept why because Jesus loved Lazarus and we know what happened right Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead again looking at Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, 10 and 11, 14 and 15. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In contrast to the devil who wants to kill your body, rob you of your joy, and destroy your relationships. Jesus came that He may have life, that you and I may have life. And what kind of life? An abundant life, a full life. Now, how does Jesus Christ introduce Himself in verse 14 and 15? I am, I'm sorry, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. You know, the shepherd even sleeps with the sheep. Because at night when the sheep is resting, the predators don't rest. There is a potential that a predator, a wolf, a tiger, a hyena, or whatever it is, will come and kill the sheep. So sometimes the, sheep, the shepherd has to sleep with the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, And my own know me. Relationship. And even as the Father knows me, I know the the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you belong to God? I have said on this pulpit in the past. I can shout to kingdom come that I know Jesus. But until and unless Jesus says, I know you, nothing. Nothing. Because just like any relationship, unless the Father recognizes you as the Son, you have no relationship. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep obeys my command. The Father knows them, even as I know the Father. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, there are some shepherds who are just hired. They only do it because It's their job. So when there's trouble, when there's a pack of wolves or hyena attacking the flock, what do they do? They are the first to run away. Why? It's not my sheep. I'm just being paid. And why will I risk my life? These sheep aren't even mine. So they're the first to run away. Not so with Jesus. He says, if need be, I lay down my life for the sheep. And that is what Jesus Christ did for us. He gave up his life for our sake. Now, if you and I consider ourselves followers of Jesus, born-again Christians, I have a relationship with God the Father, however you want to call that, is there an expectation that you and I should be like Jesus who was full of compassion? Let me share with you from 1 John verse 3 we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren he who does not love abides in death everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Read with me the last line. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Compassion is an action word. Let us not love in word, but let us love indeed in our actions you see this guy that First John is referring to he, in, he has the capacity to help but he intentionally closes his heart against this person the Bible is telling us you claim to be a Christian but that is the way you treat other people you close your heart towards them is the love of God really abiding in you? You better ask yourself. Why? Because if we uh, look at what Isaiah 53 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I use this for our heart preparation this morning. Oh, well, pastor, I'm not like that guy in 1 John. But Isaiah 53 says and describes us this way. All of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. We disobey God. So Paul is right to, Paul is right to write in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have wandered away from God. We have strayed away from God. Now, because Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, in the parable of the sheep, what does the good shepherd do? The shepherd counts before because, before they retire for the evening, he counts how many sheep. He has 100. 1 2 three, four, five, six, nine, nine, nine. 99 I'm lacking one. The good shepherd will leave the 99 healthy ones who are intact and he will leave the 99 and look for that one lost sheep. And then the parable says he will take that sheep, put it, put it on his shoulders, and he will be, bring it back to the other 99 who are safe. All of us, the Bible is telling us, are like sheep who have gone astray. We have wandered away. But for that one sheep, even for that one sheep who has lost its way, Jesus Christ would have died for that lost sheep. But pastor, I'm not a sheep. I'm not lost. Really? The Bible is calling me a sheep who has gone astray. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. Jesus Christ died to pay for the iniquity of us all, not only us, but also for the rest of the world. You know this, do you not? You have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, have you not? So when you read the Psalms, you can identify in Psalm 23 that you are this person. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that you? are you that lost sheep that has been found are you that person who has realized that apart from jesus christ you have no way of salvation and as you have placed your faith in jesus christ you can now identify with the psalmist the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want. he will provide everything that i need and more even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death I shall fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. The discipline of the Lord is my comfort. Why? Because if you are not disciplined, maybe you are not part of the family of God because the Lord disciplines those He loves. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And at the end, what will happen? Louder, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Permanent sanctification. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you trust what Jesus Christ has already done for you, you can identify, I am that sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And Paul is encouraging us, if God is a God of compassion, and if we have received that compassion and mercy from God, Paul is reminding us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being the same mind maintaining the same love united in spirit intent on one person purpose united what is our mission our mission is there, polar blast. <laughs> Behind the polar blast, okay, you have our mission Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I have commanded with you. And though I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul blast. blessed. <laughs> Paul is reminding us, be of one mind, be of one spirit, be of one purpose. But you need the compassion that comes from God to come together so that you will have that same compassion for those who do not know Christ, for those who are those sheep who are still wandering away and they don't know where they're going and they might fall off the precipice of eternity without knowing the love of God. Now we ask you to memorize this right so that you and i could apply this consider others better than we're not going to go through it i know you're memorizing this yes oh, oh yeah i know some of you are just memorizing do nothing that's it <laughs> pastor i'm very obedient verse 3 says do nothing so i stop right but this is the mind of Christ consider others better than yourselves didn't Jesus Christ consider you do not merely look out for your own personal interest but also for the interest of others didn't Jesus Christ think about your interest that if Jesus Christ would not have come to this earth take the penalty of your sin and mine go to the cross and die and rise again that you and I would still be dead in our sins and our transgression Look at what the continuation passage says. For this reason also. Because Jesus Christ became a servant, became obedient even to the point of death. Because of this, therefore, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a reward. The reward is what Jesus Christ is preparing. I go, for if, and if, I, not, if I do not go, I cannot come back. And I go to prepare a place for you so that you may be with me forever. The beauty of heaven is not the streets of gold or the pearly gates. The beauty of heaven is the presence of Jesus Christ. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. That's why Paul writes in, first, in Romans chapter 1. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Now when Paul wrote this, he was already in jail. Hey, if you are in jail, the easiest thing to do is to have self-pity. God, I left my being a Pharisee. I left my position. I left my money. I left my power. I decided to follow you. And because I follow you, this is what I get. To be thrown in jail. Three times to receive 39 lashes. X number times to be shipwrecked. What kind of life did you give me? You promised me an abundant life. Very easy to do that, right? But look at the heart of Paul. For my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Why? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Pastor, but I don't know how to share the gospel Do you see it? The gospel is the power of salvation. Not your ability to share the gospel. The gospel has power in it. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. For everyone who believes. Pastor, but I share. I don't know how to share. I might mess it up. And they will not believe. It's not your department. It's not mine. Your department, my department, Paul's department, is just to preach the gospel. Why? Because the gospel has the power to save. Verse. Seventeen. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. There is power in the gospel, not in your ability to share it. It is God who does the conversion. You and I just need to be the hands and the feet and the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ to those sheep who are continually straying away I shared with you earlier that Jesus Christ arrived four days quote-unquote late that Lazarus had already been buried for four days And there was this conversation going on between Jesus and Martha. And Martha was saying, You know, Lord, if you had been here earlier, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, Do you believe that your brother is going to rise again? And Martha said, Oh, I know. I know that my brother will rise on the last day. And this is what Jesus Christ said to her. Jesus Christ said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And anyone who lives and believes, anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Salvation is not an event. Yes, there will be, the Bible tells us, there will be a rapture. Those in Christ will be, there's a great debate, is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever it is. It's not the event. Salvation is the person of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Salvation can be found in no one else except Jesus Christ. That's why he told John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except Through me. Then he asked Martha, and perhaps Jesus Christ is asking you this morning, do you believe this? And what was Martha's reply? Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the, even he who comes into the world. God is so gracious and compassionate that even the faith to believe comes from Him. All you and I need to do is be God's hands and feet and mouth to proclaim the gospel to anyone and everyone who is willing to listen. Because the movement of the Holy Spirit is that which will bring conviction and conversion to the person. It's not our job. As we close, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. After these things, I looked and... Can we all read this? After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. How many people? Countless. Countless. Multitudes. Too numerous to count. If you have Jesus Christ. Are you counted in those uncountable numbers? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Will you spend eternity with God in heaven? Permanently sanctified? Yes. Will you see Jesus as He truly is and know Him fully through and through? Yes? Yes? My question to you is this. Forgive me if I will make you uncomfortable. Do you have family members who won't be in that multitude? Brothers, sisters, cousins, parents, children who will not be part of that uncountable number? Are you willing... to let them fall into the precipice of eternity because you're embarrassed because you're ashamed because you're unwilling to tell them about your Jesus it's okay I'm going to spend eternity with God in heaven my salvation is secure but as I was standing there and singing I was tearing up. We are nine brothers and sisters, four of whom I am not sure that I will see in heaven. I have shared personally with four. So my mathematics is wrong. I have five brothers and sisters that I may not see. It should make me uncomfortable. It should make me pray because they're in the Philippines. Does it make you uncomfortable that you have brothers and sisters whom you may not see in heaven? I hope it makes you uncomfortable. Because there is already a proven solution to their problem of sin. And that is Jesus Christ. And the Bible is telling us, we have been given the gospel. The power of salvation is in the gospel. And I hope we don't take it for granted. Well, somebody might go to them and share Jesus with them. You know, um, it's too far. They're still young. All kinds of excuses. But may I suggest to you, That the risk is not worth taking because you are risking their eternity. If you and I are unwilling even to try, it's like we're telling them it's okay that you might spend eternity in hell. Separated from us, separated from all who have Jesus Christ. Are you willing? I challenge you. Do something about it. Compassion is an action word. Maybe a telephone call. Maybe an email. Maybe FaceTime. Maybe face-to-face. Maybe some of you are planning a vacation. Be intentional. Bro, sis, can I have a few minutes of your time? If they reject you, it's fine. But you have the compassion enough to share with them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the resurrection. It is not about a religion, it is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to see you in heaven. Oh, you're so sure? Yes. Because Jesus Christ died for your sin and my sin. And because the cross is empty, I have the assurance that if you also have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you and I are going to see each other in heaven. Invite them. Invite them to your small group. Invite them. Next week, July 22, our anniversary. Invite them. Can I invite you? Let's have lunch. But before lunch, let's attend worship. Invite them to the family camp. Be creative. 50th wedding anniversary. Oh. Your birthday. Your anniversary. Celebrate your promotion. Celebrate your demotion. Whatever it is. (laughs) You know, whatever it is, to get the word out that there is salvation in Jesus Christ, do not risk. Because you never know. Look at those soccer players in Thailand. It's a good thing they were saved. Imagine you're just going through vacationing and all of a sudden you're stuck. And if nobody knew where you were, when the floods come, you're all dead. You and I, we should not risk. We should not be complacent. Instead of being complacent, we should be compassionate. Do something about it before it is too late. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. What's in your passion? Do you have passion for them? Are you willing to stick your neck out and maybe they will embarrass you? Maybe they will even insult you. But Jesus Christ said, Blessed are you if they persecute you because of my name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we. We are here this morning worshiping you, a God of compassion, mercy, and grace. And we have reserved mercy and mercy. Forgive us, Lord, if we are not willing to share the good news because we are afraid, we are embarrassed. We give all kinds of excuses. Lord, it is my prayer that this year our eighth year will be a, a breakout year that as we mobilize every member to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ far and abroad near and far and disciple those who make a decision for your son Jesus Christ that you will bless the work of our hands we cannot do it Lord God apart from you because You are the one who really brings salvation. If there is anyone here, Lord God, who has yet to place his or her faith in you, will you be the one to speak to that person, Lord God? Will you bring about conviction from your Holy Spirit and that you will allow that person to respond to you in faith, to come to you, our good shepherd, the one who who laid down his life for his sheep. And we will be careful to give you back all the honor, the glory, and the praise as we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.